Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Worship God big together this morning. Put those hands together. Testimony, now I'm alive. This is. 
let you down. He's got your back today. Let's lean into that together as we continue to sing.
brings hope into our life. He turns those graves into gardens. And if you believe everything we just sang to him today, let's give it up big white just stop real life. Come on. Yes. Man, if that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what will. But man, I am so excited to be here with you today. This has been just an amazing morning so far. Before we do anything else, can we give it up big one last time? The last time I ask you to give it up big. For Real Life Church Online, come on. Man, we are just so excited. If you're checking us out live right now online, maybe you're checking this out on a podcast or YouTube later in the week. We're honored to worship with you this morning. So online, I want you to throw up those likes and hearts. Come on now, we're just honored that you're here. Everyone in the room, welcome to church, welcome to real life, and you may be seated. Man, it is so good to see everybody, and I just wanna give a huge welcome to everybody who's brand new to Real Life Church. Here in the room or online, I want you to get your phone out right now and text RLNEW to 97000. And when you do that, a member of our connection team would just love to reach out to you some point this week, completely digitally, just check in on you. We just wanna see how your Sunday morning went. Answer any questions that you might have about Real Life Church and see how can we be praying for you this week. If you're online, there should be a link there right now you could click on to do the same thing. But hey, if you're brand new in the room, do what I just said, please, and don't leave here without stopping by the new here booth. We have a small gift for you, just our way of saying thanks for being here. We would love to connect with you this morning. I got a challenge for you also if you're brand new. What would happen if you gave God these next three Sundays to come on back to Real Life Church, to click that link again? What could he just do in your life? What relationships will you form with other believers? What truths from the Bible that maybe you didn't know before will he reveal to you? Well, I don't know, and you won't know either unless you come back out the next three weeks. But seriously, we'd love to see you, and I hope that you'll just uh, think on that and pray on that this afternoon. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about Real Life Church. We are a church on a mission, and that mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And so another way we like to say that, we're church for the unchurched. So wherever you are on that spectrum of, you know, you've been a believer for years, great relationship with God and the Word every day, you're just looking for a church home, all the way to I have no clue what the Bible says. I couldn't find a book if you ask me to. I've heard of Jesus, don't know a lot about him. Wherever you fall on that spectrum, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. You don't have to know a lot to be here at Real Life Church. You'll fit right in with several of us, and that's okay. I just encourage you to be thinking about the people in your life that are close to you but far from God. What just impact that God can have on their life and their journey and their real life and purpose if you invited them out sometime this fall. That would be huge. So again, thanks for being here. You know, I have a question for you. Who was super challenged last week when we started the brand new series? Questions. Man, I was challenged, it was really good. But you know what was really cool coming out of that was learning that it's okay when we have doubts, that God invites that right? God just doesn't want us to be aimless and all that stuff. Well, hey, we're going to tackle something deep today, all right? So buckle in, and it's going to be another challenging a challenging message today, but I know you're going to leave here filled with hope, 
and maybe even a few more questions. So these are the kind of questions that we hide from people that we've been wrestling with. And Sean's just going to just take us on a deep dive today. So I want you to lean in, listen to what he has to say. Come and come at this with an open heart and mind. Give it up for Pastor Sean Petrie as he dives us into what's beyond this life. Give it up for Sean. Come on. He's got a word. That's where Drew. This guy ate his spiritual Wheaties, I'm telling you. Every Sunday, that's what he puts on, spiritual Wheaties. So, hey, thanks for being in the house today, man. I'm really excited to see what God's going to do. Uh, you guys decided to go back to school, send the kids off? Come on. One person, that's cool. Love it. <laughs> They're like, man, I'm, I'm missing summer already. So, hey, I want to give a shout out to a few special people uh, today. Uh, our church has been growing, and we have a lot of people to join our team. And I want to give a shout out to two people in particular that just graduated onto our dream team. That's a graduate dream, dream team. They've apprenticed under other leaders, uh, just got confidence and competency. And really, honestly, these people are doing a phenomenal job. And so uh, this lady, she serves on New Here Connection Team. For when you come into church, she is looking for you, connect you. This person loves people, is incredibly gifted. They haven't been coming to church too long, but they're like, man, throw me in. I want to jump in. I don't know if she's in the room or not. Kim, right here. Kim Cooper, come on. Give it up for Kim. If you haven't met Kim, it's because of you. <laughs> because Kim is everywhere. Kim seems to know everybody. Uh, Drew's always, Drew trained her. and He's like, Kim, 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 everything. So thank you so much for serving. And even behind the scenes, she does way more than just serve here on a Sunday. Uh, just helping people, especially this last few weeks, just, just going well above and beyond. So thank you so much. And what I love about you, this last week I talked to her, and these are snowbirds, by the way. They have a little place down in Texas. And so she goes, hey, when we leave uh, for, the, for the winter, is there anything I can do to serve the church while I'm not even here? I'm like, dude, I've got like 15, 20 things, you know? And so um, she's getting trained up in other stuff too. So very, very cool. So give her Kim one more time. Just graduated this Sunday. Drew, these are all people you've been training. So second person, she doesn't serve until the second gathering, but just completely gifted for people, get to evangelism. When Jesus talks about leave the 99 and go find the one, she literally took that seriously and went to find the one. Like, she goes out to people, brings them. Every week she serves, she's looking for somebody she's invited. It's incredible. And so uh, I don't know if she's in the house. I don't think she is. But it's Rochelle Morlock. Come on, give it up for her. Let me know you love her. Very, very gifted for people. It's just serves on the team. Just graduated. So very, very exciting. Man, God's doing cool stuff. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but we're turning four years old next month. And we need to celebrate with us. It's not going to be the same without you. So mark the calendar down. It's September 26th on a Sunday. We're doing something very special. Tradition we always do on this uh, birthday Sunday is we baptize people. So we set up baptism right here in the front. And I want to encourage you. This is so, so significant for your spiritual life and for us as a church to see what God is doing. So if you made a decision for Jesus, if you've raised your hand and said, I'm all in for Jesus, I mean, maybe you're at youth camp and came to Christ or in the kids area, maybe in a life group, maybe online, whatever, and you've never been baptized, I would encourage you to go to our website and just get signed up. Even if you're not 100% sure you want to get baptized, because we're going to walk you through the process and see if it's a fit for you and make sure you understand what you're doing. So don't freak out like we're just going to say, okay, we'll see you that Sunday. Uh, we want to help you through that. It's just such a huge, huge celebration. There's no better way to celebrate what God's doing than see people's lives changed. Amen? And we're going to get, get there this morning, I'm telling you. We're going to start slow, by the way, because I know my message, and we're going to end really, really big. So I'm excited to get started. This is a um, question series, questions you all think about, uh, but, but seldom ask. And so I want you guys to text in your questions, oral questions, 97,000. And so many of you guys texted in questions last week. It was awesome. Over 30 people. Some of the questions are crazy, like, is water wet? Um, 
That was a good one. Uh, Drew, I don't, he's not, take his phone. He's not allowed to answer questions anymore. <laughs> but there's a lot of great questions, and I had a great time on social media just diving through different questions and answers. This week, I'm going to sit down with Diane on Tuesday at 1 o'clock, and uh, we'll be down at our lake house, so you can check that out. I don't know if, hopefully, they actually get better in it than my house, so it will go better than last time. And uh, basically, just walk through your questions. So text them in, and uh, we're going to get answers and help point to resources and just really just give me a spiritual encouragement. So get your phones out all day long. Well, today is a kind of a heavier question. It's a little more difficult question. It's something we all think about and very, very often don't ask and don't really want to think about. So we're going to start a little slow and kind of build up. But the question is this, what is beyond this life? Like what, what happens when I die? What's it all about? Now, you know, there's two guarantees in life, right? Death and taxes. And you're going to pay them both. <laughs> It's going to happen. Matter of fact, Jesus said this way in Hebrews 9.27. He said, and it's appointed unto men once to die. There's an appointment that we all have with death. Whether we like it or not or want it to be that way, that is reality, statistically proven that you're going to die. Now, unless you're like Elijah or Enoch who didn't die, come on somebody, that would be pretty fun, just skip that step. But I don't know if it made up for with like Lazarus and other people that were raised from the dead, I don't know if it equals out in statistics, but there's no chance we're going to make it without passing through to the other side. And so what, what is death all about? Like what, what, what happens when we die? Uh, for some of us, maybe believe, uh, and maybe this is the world teaches this, but we just believe evolution and we kind of all by happen chance just came to being and then when we die, we just cease to exist. I've got people like that in my family where they believe you just, that's it, it's just over. And there's so many people in the world that believe that. Uh, do we, do, is there a real heaven? Uh, is there a real hell? Like, do I get to recognize people? Uh, what, what, what is, is there like a medium place, like purgatory? Or do we, is it all for eternity? Or do we, or do we get annihilated? Like, what, what happens in eternity? And there's all these questions around death, all these thoughts and processes. Now, I just want to start out by saying it's 100% natural to question everything about death. Matter of fact, it's 100% natural to have all the feelings about death. Like be scared of death or be afraid of death and not understand death. I mean, death is very bleak, obviously permanent. We've all stood at the edge of a graveside and wondered what is on the other side. And so today we often forget something that's very significant. I think if we're going to talk about death, we've got to kind of start where death started. And we're going to go back to the origin of death. Because oftentimes we forget there was a time there wasn't death. Oftentimes we forget that death wasn't the way. There was actually a, a way that wouldn't even lead to death. Matter of fact, Ab and Eve were in the garden. They walked face to face with God every single day. Perfect communion. They had conversations with the maker. Like they had perfect fellowship. All things were put together. And I want you to imagine what it would have been like if Adam or Eve never sinned. This is a pretty awesome thought. You know they were naked and unashamed. Come on, somebody. And so they would have lived forever. They would never sin. They never had death. They would have lived forever. And so if you think about it, their kids would have been uh, living forever and their grandkids and all of humanity and literally have been naked. So Jesus would have started the first nudist colony. Come on, somebody. I'm just, it's biblical. I'm not making this up. You just read the Bible. It's for yourself. It's right there. Genesis 1 and 2. Just read it yourself. But look at this. There's no killing in the Bible. Matter of fact, Adam and Eve are vegetarians. Come on. Where's the vegetarians in the house? Say amen. 
Exactly. Didn't think it was that kind of church. <laughs> now, some of you are, right? But it's all good. You're, you're super healthy. You're putting us to shame. You're secret vegetarians, by the way. You got some doubts about it. No, it's a little shame. It's okay. It's cool. Um, but there's no killing. No, no, nobody fought. They're all vegetarians. They're, there's, they live forever. And I think about the animals, and they wouldn't fight. And so there's actually, like, none of this um, basically primal uh, food chain that would occur. Matter of fact, we could get in the ocean and wouldn't be afraid to be eaten by a shark. Come on, somebody. Because Adam, they didn't nothing attacked each other. Like it was in perfect harmony, all in unison. And matter of fact, this is what Isaiah says about that time period. It's a prophecy of the future of what it'll be like, but it's actually a picture of the garden. It's found in Isaiah 11. It says, the wolf will lay down with the lamb. Like they won't kill each other. Well, the wolf not kill the lamb. The leopard will lay down with the goat, the calf and the lion, the yearling together. And the little child will lead them. I love this. The cow will feed with the bear. Not feed the bear. Come on, somebody. That's a little different. I had to circle the word with. I didn't want to mess that up. And their young will lie together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. I mean, there's a time period where death didn't exist. And we often forget about this. Go back to the very origin. We walked with God, had perfect communion. We're living forever. And then sin changed everything. Matter of fact, it destroyed and dismantled and brought death into our culture and our lives. Matter of fact, uh, that's where animals started fighting each other and you had the top dog animals. Not about you, I got a cat and a dog and they fight every day for the last six years. Come on, somebody. And the cat always wins. Can you believe it? So I know the Egyptians are probably up to something. They probably knew something my, about this. But Romans 8 says this about creation and sin. It says, we know the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to this present time. See, sin didn't just affect us. It affected everything. Matter of fact, it infected creation, and that's why you have tornadoes and, and even just rain, and you have tsunamis and earthquakes and thunderstorms and hurricanes. All this happened because creation is now battling with itself because of sin. And so when you think about death and you think there's just nothing natural that feels about it, like it's not this smooth transition, it's because it isn't. There's nothing natural about death. That wasn't the original play. See, there was a time where God wanted us to be together with him, and there was no sin. There was no death. Come on, somebody. There was no hearses. There's no obituary section in the newspaper. Come on. There's no green tents. There's no six-foot hole. There's no casket. There's no tombstones. Am I preaching to somebody today? Come on. This didn't exist. This wasn't reality. And so when we think about death, it is completely awkward and completely unnatural because it's the curse of sin, that sin changed everything. So I think we should go back to the beginning and take a look of how the sin aired in. It's in Genesis 3, if you got your Bible. It says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say? The first time that humanity begins to question God. Like, can this God be trusted? Did he really say that? Does he have my best in mind? Do I have to believe God or should I, should I believe myself? And then Satan said, you must not eat of any tree of the garden. Did he really say that? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden. But God did say, she quoted God, she got it right. We must not eat from the fruit in the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. And Satan says this to Eve, says, you will not certainly die. This lie is planted into her mind. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And for the first time, humanity is wondering, does God have my best intentions in mind? 
Can I trust God? Is God holding something back for me? Is God keeping the best away from me? Can I really trust that? And when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleased the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, all of a sudden she wanted to be like God. She wanted to know good and evil. Before this, they had no idea about the separation of good and evil. They just didn't exist. There was no identity in sin. And so she took some and ate of it, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And all of a sudden, everything changed for us. This is the beginning of the beginning, like for our story of sin. All of a sudden, our identity changed. These words, I, me, and mine, in the dictionary. They didn't exist before this. Matter of fact, Adam and Eve looked down like, I'm naked. All of a sudden, they realized imperfections. They saw shame, and they saw doubt, and they saw anxiety and depression and guilt, and they weren't good enough. And so they ran and hid themselves, and they built clothes to hide parts of their body. And then the saddest part of the story hits. They hid and ran from God. For the first time, humanity turned its back on God and ran from Jesus. And the truth is, we're still running today. This is the story of sin entering into the picture and this is the first time death comes into the picture as well. In Genesis 3, it goes on to say, this is God looking for Adam after he's hidden. He said, where are you? And the man said, the woman he put me here with. All of a sudden, Adam's like, hey, if you didn't make that woman, it's your fault, God. Like, if you didn't bring her here, like, I would never eat that apple. And she gave me some fruit of the tree, and I ate it. So it's my wife's fault, because they are married. I mean, that never gets said in 2021. <laughs> it's my wife's fault. It's my spouse's fault. And then the Lord said to the woman, what is it you have done? And the woman said, it was the serpent who deceived me, and I ate it. Satan may be do it. Come on, somebody. Like, she didn't make her own choice. And so the Lord said to Satan, because you have done this, cursed. Come on, say the word Cursed. Cursed. It says, cursed are you above all livestock, talking to Satan, all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You'll eat the dust all days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, if you're like me, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about right there. Now, this is the first mention of Jesus in the Bible. Matter of fact, it's a technical term for it called proto-evangelum, the first evangelism, the first gospel. This is the picture of Jesus. I was going to stop for a second because I love this. Because the first thing that happens when mankind sins is that God makes a solution to break the curse. Come on, somebody. And so if you look at this passage, what it's saying is that there's going to be a divide, an evil between mankind and, mankind and Satan. He says, your offspring, talking to the woman, your offspring being Jesus. Now, Eva thought that would have been like her first kid. You know what I mean? She's like, Jesus, like somebody's going to save us. This is going to be the first generation. We're going to have some kids. It's going to change everything. She didn't know it's going to be like 50 generations later. But this offspring is Jesus. And it says, he will crush your head. It's talking about Jesus is going to kill Satan. Jesus is going to take him down. But Satan will strike Jesus' heel. And now, I don't have time to go into all the details of this passage, but this is the first planting, the first mention of the gospel. Never forget, when we ran from God, God ran to us. Verse 16, the woman said to him, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. Thank you, sin. And with painful labor, you'll give birth to your children. Your zow before your husband, he'll work over you. And to Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate from the fruit of the tree, which I command you, you must not eat from it. Cursed. Somebody say cursed. Cursed is the ground because of you. And through painful toil, you'll eat from it all the days of your life. It'll produce thorns and thistles for you, and you'll eat the plants of the field. But the, by the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food. And don't miss this. Here's the first mention of death in the Bible. Until you return 
to the ground. And since from it you were taken, for dust you are and dust you will return. This is the first mention of sin, entering humanity. This has broken our relationship with God. We went from living forever in perfect fellowship, face-to-face with Jesus, like perfect communion, having perfect person, uh, no insecurity, no doubt, no, no fear, like all, no cancer, no death, no rainy days. Come on, somebody, to living an accursed life from sin. And all of a sudden, we're separated from God. And this curse spread to all humanity. This is really good news. You guys, I feel it right now. I told you we were going to start low, didn't I? It gets kind of lower. Just one more verse. Oh, man, maybe two. Romans 5, 12 says this. It says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, and this way death came to all people because all have sin. What it's saying is there's no innocent person. That sin permanently permeated humanity. Like, there's no innocent person anywhere because sin has infected every single person. And so death is completely unsettling. It's completely unnatural. So when we think about death, it's like, what should I think about it? Like, this is a result of a consequence. This is a result of evil. This is a result of us being separated from God. And so for us today, we have to ask the question, what is beyond this life? And the Bible answers it. It says in James 4.14, it says, what is your life? It says, it is a mist that appears for a while and vanishes away. This is what your Bible says about your life right here. That was it. A mist. Just a moment of time. Just the dash between two dates. This is how short your life is. And for so many people, everybody's trying to like cheat death. You know, like how to get, how to live longer, you know, like you want to mummify people, right? <laughs> like we're, we're, I know Austin Powers is cryogenically frozen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> All right, we're just going to go there today. Like I'm just telling you, so many of us would think, well, we can just, if we can just outlive this, if we can just have enough medics, medicine or we can just change our bodies enough, if we can do the right things, have the right diet. It's like, no, there's a time where we have to face reality that our life is just a vapor. It's just that quick. And so how do we live in this perspective? How do we live knowing that death is really an appointment in our life? And I want to give you one just principle to help you process death. Just one principle, and it's this. It's not really complicated. You might recognize it. But live like you're dying. Just live like you're dying. Live knowing that you have an appointment coming. And what would you do differently today if you knew you wouldn't be here tomorrow? Like, what would you do differently today if you knew that you had no guarantee of tomorrow? Like, what would you do differently if somebody came to you and said, hey, you got cancer and you have six weeks to live? Or you have cancer and you have six months to live? Like, what would we do differently as Christians to live with the end in mind? This is what it says in Psalm 39. It says this, and this is a really key passage. It says, oh, Lord, help me understand my mortality. Help me be willfully aware that my life has an end. Help me to be thought out and come to grips with my mortality in the brevity of life, how short life is. Let me realize how quickly my life will pass. And look, you make my days short-lived, and my lifespan is nothing from your perspective. Matter of fact, when you get an eternity, you're going to be looking back and like, hey, can we, can we zoom in on my life? Can we rewind the tape a little bit? Whoa, 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 fast forward. Rewind. Oh, fast forward. Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom in. There I am. Because that's your just little speck, just this thing in eternity. 
80 years, 100 years, 6 years, whatever it is. It's just a little moment in time of this reel of eternity. It says nothing from your perspective. It says surely all people, even those who seem secure, come on, those who have everything, who can ride a rocket to outer space because they have enough money, come on. Even those that have Botox and, and when they're 80 years old, come on, J-Lo, come on, somebody. They look good, right? There's, they're like, what are you doing? There's permanent smiles. Like even those who have everything and seem secure, Bible says this, are nothing but, help me out here, Vapor. That's it. That's our life. Just this moment of depleting time. In other words, the Bible is saying, live like you're dying. Like, help us know our mortality. Like, let's live with the end in mind that there is a date where we're going to leave this planet. Our, number, our days are numbered. Life is short. So I'm going to give you three best practices to live like you're dying. You guys ready for this? Nobody's ready. Somebody's ready. All right, number one, go skydiving. Come on. Two, go rocket mountain climbing. Three, 2.7 seconds on a bull man, man, fu man shoe. Come on, somebody. You know Tim McGraw was coming today. I knew I had to liven you guys up a little bit. I would sing it for you, but it's not going to go well. You'd never forget it and never come back. I know that much. All right, I've only got one principle for you. All right, one principle. I don't have three. I've just got one quick, practical principle for you to live like you're dying. No, I'm not going to sing it to you, although I, I maybe should. But it's real simple. Begin with the end in mind. Just begin with the end in mind. What's the first thing you do when you go plan for a vacation? What's the first thing you do? No. You, you study the destination. You study destination. What's the first thing? You're all, you're, you're on there. Like, is this a, should I be wearing my board shorts or a parka? You know what I'm saying? Is this a four-star hotel or should I bring the roach killer? I've got, I've got stories. You can ask my staff. I'm, I'm not even bring roach killer. I'm just going to go other sleep in my car. You know? Like, what, what are we going to do in this space? What's the weather like? Where are we staying? What's the, what hobbies are we going to have? Are we going hiking? We're going out in the town? Are we going to be cruising on the beach, listening to soothing sounds of the Backstreet Boys? Like, what are we doing, right? Like, you get, so you don't know what to pack unless you know where you're going, amen? And as Christians, you better know where you're going. Like, you're going to study where you're going to land. You know what the weather's like. You know where you're going to hang out. You've already booked, you already booked the hotels. You're, it never works out. It's perfect. But you go, right? It's like buying a house. How many of you guys are buying a house in the season? Buying or selling? Where are you at? Come on, don't be shy. They're like, yeah, it was me. It's me, right? Uh, I know some of you guys are looking for some houses too, right? But what's the first thing you do when you look at a house? You're like, ooh, my slippers can go right here. Oh, man. And this wall, I give them 155-inch TV. Come on. Three foot from my bed. Yes. This shower, it's big enough for two. Oh. You know, you know what I'm thinking? Did we go there today? You know what I'm saying. There's a kid's rooms, the nursery, the home office, and there's like the extra space. It's the man cave. Come on, somebody. You got the chairs. They shake and vibrate as you're playing your video games. You got some workout equipment that collects dust. Come on, right? You put it over there. Some of you guys got like a cigar lounge. I don't know who you are, but somebody, I don't know what your thing is. Or it could be a craft room. <laughs> It can be a craft room, right? You know what I'm saying? You can find out, all right? Let's be real. You know what it's going to be? You're going to use a storage. You can put your Christmas trees in there, and this is never going to go use the room, right? That's just how it's going to roll. Or it could be a workshop. Come on. Just me. Maybe just me. I like the workshop. But we always begin with the end of mind. We have a vision for the property. Like, we start looking at, like, we know exactly what we want. So today, here's what I want to do. Can I just dream a little bit about heaven today? Can I dream about heaven? Just for a minute. 
like, of what it's going to be like when we get there? Can we just begin with the end? Like, what is it going to look like? Like, what's all, what is going to happen in heaven? And so this is what it says in John 14, 1 through 3. This is Jesus talking. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, and if we're not so, what I've told you that I'm going there to what? To what? To prepare a place for you. Come on. I mean, what I've told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you, if I'm not preparing a place for you, this is Jesus talking about preparing heaven for us. And he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Dude, the original Terminator. Come on, somebody. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also be, be where I am. Now, I love this. Jesus is building us, as Jesus followers, a home in heaven. You know what? Jesus, there's a reason he came as a carpenter. Come on. He's always been the carpenter. Like, he's the creator. He's the architect. He's the engineer. He's the sustainer that holds everything together. He's the planner. He's the builder. He's the contractor. He put everything together, and now he's in heaven building us a home. Can I tell you something? When you get there, this home isn't going to hooked up behind your truck. Come on, somebody. You're not going to back your truck up and start pulling it. They're not going to cut the tongue off and stick it on the front of it in a park. It's not going to be a modular home. It's not going to prefab or cookie cutter. I'm just going to guess it's all custom. Come on, somebody. Just a custom home by Jesus. This is what he's doing for us. I mean, what do you think about when you think about heaven? You know what I think about? I think sunny and no rain. Come on. I mean, I say sunny, I mean S-O-N, sunny, because there actually is no sun. It's just Jesus' light that lights heaven. I'm getting all biblical here. What a preacher. What a preacher. All right? No earthquakes, no tornadoes, no sin. We see Jesus face to face. This is what it says in Revelation. It says, the angels showed me. This is John talking. The angels showed me the river of water, or river, ah, the river of water of life as clear as crystal. That's a pretty sweet looking spring. Flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. This is Jesus. Down the middle of the great street of the city. Man, I don't know about you, I can't wait to see this view. Like we go hiking, we go out into Lake the Ozarks, we are always boating, we look at amazing stuff, we've traveled to Hawaii, we've seen all sorts of things, but I'm telling you, nothing is gonna look as amazing as this river flowing from the throne of the Lamb of God down the middle of the city. And so on each side of the river stood a tree of life. This is back in Genesis 3, the same tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit in its month, and leaves the tree are healing for all nations. I love this. Don't miss verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. Come on, somebody. Sin is eliminated. The Satan, the serpent himself, has been thrown into the lake of fire, and we are walking with Jesus. Everything that was broken is now fixed. There's no cancer. Come on, somebody. There's no COVID. There's no mask. There's no vaccines. Nobody's excited about it. Okay, you'll get there. No menopause. <laughs> Just, I got some claps on that one. I don't know who was clapping, but, but it's good. Uh, the throne of God and the Lamb, Jesus. Here is God the Father, Jesus himself, will be in this city, and his servants will serve him, and they will, don't miss, they will see his face. Don't miss this, because since Genesis 3, we have not seen the face of God. For all of eternity, or like the middle of eternity in humanity, we have been running from God, and God's pursuing us, and for the first time, we see the face of God. The Bible says to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. And as Christians, when you leave this side of eternity, you're instantly in the presence of Jesus. 
And for the first time, we look look into the eyes of our creator and the author and the architect of our life. And it says our name will be on our foreheads and there'll be no more night. There'll be no need for a lamp. I'm sorry, the Energizer buddies not keep going and going and going. In the light of the sun, there'll be no light for the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign. Don't miss this little piece. Forever and ever and ever and ever. I told you it was sunny with no chance of rain. This is like returning to Eden. This is what it looks like to go back to what it would be like if we never sinned. Walk in the presence in a perfect relationship with God. There's no more suffering that Jesus has wiped all tears away from our faces. Now, there's a lot of questions about heaven, okay? Because obviously that didn't tell us all the questions you're going to have. So you need to text in your questions so maybe I can maybe give more detail. I didn't, I'm not going to go all the way through all things of heaven we know in the Bible. But text in your questions. Here's a couple. Uh, do we recognize our loved ones? Had this come up in a life group just a few months ago. Uh, what will it look like? I don't know about you. I hope it's uh, with less weight and more muscles, right? <laughs> like, I'm not sure. Um, well, we, how would we be given all, all these crowns? The Bible talks about rewards in the Bible. There's seven crowns, like endurance and soul winning. There's all these crowns that we can earn. And there's a point where, where God rewards us. And God, he gives us jewels in our crown. This isn't made up. Um, and there's a point where do we give an account for our lives, like every idle word we spoke. And this is the most important question you could ever ask. Will there be a Chick-fil-A? Come on, somebody. Will there be a Chick-fil-A in heaven? Hopefully the line moves just as fast, right? This is how it's going to roll. But we begin with the end in mind. The end in mind. What, what do you think about when you think of heaven? I think of two things. There's only two things that come from this earth into heaven. The first thing is this. It's the word of God. This word of God endures forever and ever and ever. And you're going to find this word of God in heaven. But the second thing that is in heaven is people. It's people. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is people. The only two things that you can take with you from this side of eternity to that side is the word of God and people. That should change everything about how we walk out of here today. That should change everything about how we love people. That we would go out of our way for people. Matter of fact, how we love people and how we treat people says everything about our theology. It says everything what we believe about God. It says everything what we believe about people. If the only thing is people, then what are we doing with people? What's our life about? You can't attach a U-Haul to a hearse, but you can take people. You can bring other people with you. I remember when I was in 2003, and I was in Mexico, and I remember looking into the face of people, wondering, am I willing to get uncomfortable enough to tell them about Jesus? Matter of fact, I, I think about that almost every day. Walking through Walmart, come on somebody, or Target, all these people who need Jesus who need somebody to come in their life and point them to the one who broke the curse for them. And how uncomfortable are we willing to get to love on people, to give up college plans, maybe to change dreams, maybe to serve on a team, maybe to, to give sacrificially, maybe to, to lead, maybe to stop following ourselves. Like how uncomfortable are we willing to get? Matter of fact, Jesus said this in Mark 12. Somebody asked him, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? And he said, the most important one, hmm. Well, hear this, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. It says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. 
The second one is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And this is the greatest commandment. In fact, Jesus goes on to say in John 15, he says, my commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Now look at your other neighbor you left behind. <laughs> I love you. This is, you just did the greatest commandment to actually love somebody, to think outside yourself, to give your best. Matter of fact, he goes on to say, greater love has no one than this than lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater act you can ever do in this side of eternity than lay down your life for somebody else. And this is what Jesus did for us. Jesus laid his life down for us. Matter of fact, he decided to lay down his life back in Genesis 3, if not sooner. He decided as soon as sin entered the picture, he said, one day I'm coming and I'm gonna orchestrate all of eternity. Everything happened in humanity, all the prophecy, all the, all the kings, all the kingdoms, all the things, all the events that transpire. I'm gonna make myself a cross. I'm gonna bring in some of that Roman culture and I'm gonna show up so the whole world can see me. That's what Jesus did. You know why Jesus did this? Because he had the end in mind. He knew there was a very real heaven and a very real hell. Jesus knew that. And he wanted us to go to heaven. And so he ran towards us. Matter of fact, you think about the last just few days of his life or day of his life. He was betrayed by one of his followers for 30 pieces of silver. He was praying in a garden. He was put on false uh, trial in the middle of the night of false accusations. And he was, he was put out to die instead of somebody else who deserved named Barabbas. And then he was scourged. He took cat and nine tails, this piece of teeth and bone on leather whips and ran it across his back. He was strapped around a rock and stripped him of his skin. The Bible said he was so disfigured you couldn't recognize him as a human. And Jesus' beard was ripped out and he was stripped naked and the crown of thorns was shoved onto his brow, piercing into his skin. He picked up a cross willingly and carried it up the hill of Calvary for us. On top of that hill, they drove spikes into his wrist and into his ankles, and they stood him up for the whole world to see. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his son. He willingly went to the cross for us. On that cross, he did the greatest act of love ever given. He took all of our wrongs and placed it on himself. The Bible says he was crushed, but not destroyed. See, Satan thought he'd won, but Satan didn't know the power of God. And on that cross, he paid every single one of our debts. He paid our hell. He was our wrath-bearing sacrifice, not just for you, but for all of humanity. And on that cross, he said these words are so powerful for us today. He said, it is finished. What is finished? Sin is finished. Satan is finished. You know the verse that said that he was gonna crush the head of Satan? Well, it just went down because Jesus on that cross took out Satan. He defeated hell, and as he said his final breath, he took his final breath, he died and gave up the ghost. And the first thing he did is he ran through the gates of hell, and he stole our keys. He stole our keys, and he ran through every single cell that we were locked in as prisoners from this curse of death and sin in the grave, and arose on the third day and resurrected his life for our freedom with our, with our keys in hand, amen? This is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He laid down his life so that we can have life. And all of a sudden, the curse was reversed and Jesus made a way. This is the love story of God. And so you think about death, you know what I think about? I think about Jesus. 
I think about how much I love Jesus and his plan for us. This is what God did for us. And so how uncomfortable are you willing to get for people? Because Jesus got a little uncomfortable for us, didn't he? He didn't just go cross the road and put a track and a roll of toilet paper, come on. I mean, he went to the cross for us. And so how, how willing are you getting, willing to get to get uncomfortable? Like, what would you do for somebody to know the love of Jesus? How far are you willing to go? This is what Jesus prayed for us in John 17. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, but for those who will believe in me. He's talking about us today, all believers, all time. He says, I pray in me through their message. He says that all of them may be one. That Jesus prayed that as Christians, we will be united together under the banner of Jesus. Not anything else, but we would know Jesus. He goes on to say, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. We should be so close to God that when people see us, they don't see Sean Petrie, they see Jesus. You know, you might be the only Bible that somebody reads. You might be the only picture of the love of God in somebody's life. He says, may they also be in us so that the world, look at this, may believe that you have sent me, that your life is the greatest apologetic of all history, that the way you live in this moment, in this season of division and chaos and all these riots and all these things that are happening in our community and across the world, that you are the picture of Jesus. He says, given the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, and in them, in I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And how we treat people is our greatest apologetic, that we're single-minded, one mind, one accord. As Christians, we're not divided. It's so easy to be divided in 2021, isn't it? Vaccines. What's your opinion? Oh, don't tell me, I already know. It's on social media. Masks. Sports, red, blue, black, white, where do we stand? We stand for Jesus, amen? There's just only one name that we unify under, it's named by Jesus. He is the supreme, everything is second to him. You know, the world doesn't need to know what we're against. The world doesn't need to know that we don't like this and we don't like this and we don't like this and we don't like this. No, the world needs to know about Jesus. The world needs to know what we're for and he has a name, his name is Jesus. And so we just love people that don't treat us fair. I mean, I got a text this morning, 10 minutes before getting up here, lane blasting things because their life is hurting. They don't understand this Jesus. I'm just telling you, we just show grace and mercy and forgiveness and how you post, people are watching. And what you're saying, people are watching. Every word, there's a watching world. And they're asking the question, are they different? Is your marriage different? Does it look just like everybody else's? How do you treat your kids? What do you believe about people? What's your Saturday night look like? What's your bank account look like? What's your prayer life look like? What's your posts look like? Do these people forgive people? They seem awfully bitter. I mean, patient with people. See, Jesus always began with the end in mind. He knew what eternity looked like. If the only thing that goes from here to there is people, we should all be about people. I mean, we sit down and we start thinking 401ks, bigger houses and all this stuff. We just forget about people. We could walk by right down the aisle. We leave here today and I say a word to somebody else because we miss it. I'll give you a bonus principle. You didn't ask for it. Tony Horton, I've been doing P90X3. Bonus principle. Here it is. We talk about live like you're dying and that's really not the full picture because this is actually really not fair because you're actually not dying. Because if you die, you go to heaven. So I'm gonna give you a better principle. And if you're taking notes, you write this down because this is really good. At least I think it is. It's really simple. Live like you were dead 
and now you're alive. Live like you were dead in sin, but now you're alive to God. It changes everything. Live like you're, in, you're free from this debt of sin. Like this world is not your home. We're not just like, oh, we'll die and then it's over. Yeah, I'll enjoy heaven. No, 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 we're going home, somebody, come on. Like, we're not just like, oh, one day we'll get there. No, no, that's eternity. That's where we're supposed to be. The only reason God even left you here is for people. He didn't leave you here for a title. He didn't leave you here for stuff. You know, he who dies with the most stuff still dies. Still dies. The only thing that matters is people. The Bible says, set your mind on things above and not below. That we are heavenly minded. They're not daydreaming, oh, we're planning on that trip. We're bringing as many people as possible. It'd be a big old party I can't wait to go to. We're just thinking of heaven, that we're dead in sin, that Jesus broke the curse and we're alive to God. And we look forward to seeing Jesus face to face. You know, our mission is not to accumulate the most stuff. Although, I'll tell you what, the only thing that seems to unify people in our country is shopping. The only place you can get everybody together is a row in Target or the middle aisle at Aldi. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Somebody called the Isle of Shame earlier. I was like, it's really good. It's like, I need these things. It's the only thing that brings us together is spending. But we're supposed to be unified for Jesus and just love people. I would encourage you, are you willing to get uncomfortable Jesus? Like, why not you? Why, why not be a leader? Like, why not step up and say, I can do more for God. What, what can I do? Put me in, coach. So love back him, whatever. Put me in. I'm willing. I'm ready. Just send me in. Why not give more? Like, why not sacrifice more? I'm not saying give it to us. I'm saying, why not give more away to people? Why not, why not believe in people? Why, not, why, why give up on our family so easily? I mean, see us all times. People in our family don't act or look or do the things we want them to do, and all of a sudden, we're offended personally. Don't be offended. Jesus loves them still. Let's just help them, encourage them. How about love on our kids? How about care about more about unity than being right? There's, there's almost a non-American message in that. Can more... Can we love on people more than politics or, or, or COVID vaccines and masks and all this jazz that people say that's gonna go away? And we may alienate ourselves from the very people who need Jesus because we were so opinionated about what, what, what well, so what is true? It's irrelevant to somebody who you're not winning their soul. Dude, I'm gonna leave you with a story. There's a friend of so many people in our church who's inspiration to a generation. His name was Dan Durant. He was a campus pastor for Life Church. He passed away a few months ago. I went to Danny's funeral. I didn't know Danny that well. I met him a few times. A lot of our team had shadowed and stuff. And he was young. And he had three kids and dude's Mr. Smiley. This guy was phenomenally gifted. I didn't know all, all about Danny's story, but I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go to this guy's funeral. And I show up to the funeral, and I don't know what happens at funerals, you probably all do, but people talk about you. <laughs> and your family says things, and your friends say things, and your neighbors, and your coworkers, and anybody you've influenced, just goes to your funeral to show they care. And I'll never forget Danny's story because it literally was the most powerful funeral I've ever sat in as they shared story after story after story of how Danny just loved people. I've never been to a funeral that was so powerful about loving people because it was just Danny. He didn't do everything right. He was kind of a screwball. It was fun, but he loved people. And they showed the story of a guy that was a Marine, big dude. I don't know if you know Randy Smith, real big. Came into church, not a Christian, this guy brought him, he was a Marine, and said, he's my buddy. And Danny runs up to him and gives him a big hug. And this guy is standoffish, and so Danny snuggled in a little tighter. If you know Danny, that's Danny. And every week, this guy showed up to church, 
week after week after week after week to get a hug from Danny. I was like, wow, this is what the gospel is all about. I don't know about you, but how do you want people to remember your life? Like, what do you want somebody to come up here and say about you at your funeral? Like, what do you want the store to be like? Thank God they were here for me. That guy loved people. That guy got uncomfortable. You know, Danny would always go to restaurants and he was that guy that was invite people to church. You know what I'm talking about, right? And they said, well, it's just really far away, can't afford the gas. He'd pull out a $100 bill and say, gotcha, come on out. Like just that kind of guy, just loving people. And I thought, man, this is the story we all should have. I left that funeral changed because his life spoke to me. And I kind of tell you today that your life, that your love for people can break the curse in people's lives. Like I told you, they're watching you. That Jesus said, you are the apology. You are the apologetic. You are Jesus of this generation. People watching your life. And if you love them and you care for them and you pour into them and you're willing to get uncomfortable, the world is like, I cannot believe that this person is still doing this. How do you stay married that long? How do you put up with this? How do you go through that work situation and still have a positive attitude? Like, how do you do this stuff? Because they're watching and all of a sudden their heart begins to change because they start seeing you, but it's not you, they start seeing Jesus in you, amen? And so we have the opportunity as Christians to point people to Jesus. The only thing that matters, so the question I'll leave with this, is how uncomfortable, because there's nothing comfortable about this life because it's not meant for comfort, it's not our home. We're just passing through. We're foreigners in a foreign land. So we don't build big houses, we don't have crazy nice stuff, we just push towards Jesus and we bring as many people on the journey as possible, amen? So Father, we come before you and I pray we be passionate about people. God, I pray for our church to be the most uncomfortable church in all of Kansas City because we're not about ourselves, God. We're all about your mission. God, we're all about serving you and pointing people to you. And God is so sobering knowing that the only thing that goes to eternity with us that we can take besides the word of God is people. So help us to be uncomfortable. So I'm gonna pray for somebody today, maybe all of you today. Somebody that say, you know what? I'm willing to get uncomfortable for Jesus. It's been, it's been maybe uncomfortable a little bit, but I'm gonna be more uncomfortable. I'm gonna live my life on purpose. I'm willing to step up. I'm gonna do whatever God calls me to do because this isn't about me. It's about Jesus and about people knowing Jesus. So that's you today. You say, well, I'm willing to get uncomfortable. We just put your hand high and say, that's me today. I'm willing to get uncomfortable for Jesus. Come on, put your hand up in this place. Let's say no that you're willing to get uncomfortable. Just kind of put that up there and say, yeah, Satan, see me? You better put a target on my back because I'm going. I want to pray for you. Father God, thanks so much for every hand raised. God, every heart you're moving in. God, I pray that we would shape the world because your power through us. God, it's not about us. Wouldn't it become about us? God, it's all about you. So God, we surrender our life to you. God, we are going to rob hell of death. God, we're going to point people. We're putting up roadblocks. God, we're loving our neighbor. God, we're loving our family. God, we're full of patience and kindness and joy. Even though the world is pulling us down, we choose to stand up because we know the end of the story. We know who the victory lies in and we lead from victory, not for victory. God, we know who we are today. And so God, call us out as a generation, God, to lead. God, as a church that would point people to you. God, that death, even though it's got tons of questions, we know where our eternity is. God, we know that, the, that an empty grave, God, it means somebody's present with Jesus and they just beat us home. And so we're counting down the days, God. We've numbered our days. We know exactly where we stand. And just a dash and a moment, 
we know that our days are numbered, God. Help us to know mortality and the brevity of life because we're living on mission in this season. God, I pray for one more group of people, and that's those of you who say, you know what, I recognize who Jesus is today. I recognize that Jesus broke the curse. I've been battling this on my own. I've been finding depression. I've been finding anxiety. I'm going through some deep stuff. I've been running and running and running from God. I had no idea he's been chasing me, but today I know Jesus has been chasing me. If that's you, the Bible says this, anybody calls the name of Jesus, be saved, forgiven, and made new. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again, that you will have a home in heaven. He'll forgive you and make you new today. And you don't just get to spend eternity with heaven. You start to spend eternity with Jesus now. And you can start leading and following and know who you are and be different and made whole. The Bible says you're a new creation. So if you need Jesus today, you say yes to him, maybe online, in person, or whatever. If you need Jesus, we you put your hand high? Say, I need Jesus today, if that's you. Come on, put your hand high if that's you. Put your hand up. Maybe you're online, you need Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer. Prayer doesn't save you. Put your heart towards God. Just say this, Father God, thanks so much for sending your best. You always had a plan. You never left us by ourselves. God, you ran towards us and we ran away from you. And today I'm running back to you because I recognize who Jesus is. You down across my sins. I pray you can have my life. I want to serve you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for God today. Let them know you love him. Awesome. And if that's you today, you made that decision. I mean, we are so excited for you. Today, you're choosing life to be alive, not dead in sins, but alive to God. And so we have a couple of next steps for you. You can take out your phone. You can text RLNEXT to 97000. It's next because those next steps are going to help you on your journey with Jesus. And so on there, you'll click. It'll take you to our website with some resources. It's a Bible app to get you started on that journey, but also a place where you can share your story because we would love to celebrate what God is doing with you today. Or if you're here with us in person at Kentucky Trail on the way out, out, there's a table with some red bags. Inside is a free Bible and also a letter just to explain some of those resources for you. So please take one of those on your way out today. And then for all of us that have a few next steps today, man, the only things that will go with us into eternity is the Word of God and people. And that's a powerful thought about how we spend every day all the things that we do. And so I want to encourage you. We are coming up on our fall life group semester. And maybe you're thinking, man, this might be something that God is calling me to. Maybe attending a life group for the first time, but also maybe leading a life group for the first time. And what I love about our life groups at Real Life is that you don't have to come up with some magical, amazing thing to bring people together to follow Jesus. You can go out and serve, you know, your friends every Wednesday night a meal and do that together. You can watch football together. You can go through a Bible study together. But the point is that it's taking the things you already love to do and you're working together. Let's take that time and invest it into the people of God and inspire them to be able to find freedom and live the life that they need to live. And so if that's something that God's been working on your heart, I want you to reach out to Holly Holcomb. She is here today. Her email address is on the screen. Reach out to her. We would love to get you connected with our apprenticing process to help you be fully equipped to lead a life group. And then our next step is this, that we are so excited to be partnering with Apartment Life as we are sending out a missionary to the Eagle Glen Apartments to reach our community for Jesus. And this is an incredible opportunity to go and 
be the hands and feet of Jesus alongside people, connecting with people, sharing their vision, sharing your our mission to be able to reach our community for Jesus. And so if you want more information about this opportunity to make a difference, be the hands and feet of Jesus, be on the ground in the community, taking the word of God out of these walls to our community, let me know. We're looking for a person, a couple, um, or a couple of roommates to go and to be sent out as part of real life to make a difference. And so I would love to connect you with more information or if you have any questions. And lastly is this. Sean said that the thing that we have in common is spending. And the first thing that came to my mind is how easy it is to go and spend, but how hard it is sometimes to go and invest. And I think about the times that I've had the opportunity to give back to somebody who's hurting, to give to a cause that means something to me, or to be able to give and see the power of God move in someone's life through a counseling session, or to see somebody come to Jesus, or to see a young person give their life to God. And I don't ever regret that investment that I've made into what God is doing. So I'd love to challenge you, if you've never thought about investing in what God is doing, to be a part of that here at Real Life, because your blessing that you will receive back will be exponentially greater than you ever could have thought. And you can do that three ways. You can go to reallifechurchkc.com and click give. You can text any amount to 84321 or you can drop. We have a box in the back that you can put cash or check in. We have an envelope for you if that's easier this morning. And so be thinking about how you are going to play a part in people that we can take to eternity. And I want you to check out this video to see what's coming up next. Real life, thank you so much for coming out today and texting in your questions last week. It was amazing and important and insightful questions that you guys sent in as Pastor Sean answered them last Tuesday on Facebook Live. And this week isn't any different. We would love to continue the conversation and help you find answers and resources that have been weighing on your heart. Remember, this week is focused on answering questions that we normally don't talk about. So what questions do you have about today's message? What are you wondering about when you think about eternity? If you have questions, text your questions to 97,000. In the text box, be sure to put RL questions and your questions within the message. And we will answer it on Tuesday, Facebook Live at 3 p.m. with Pastor Sean. Next week, we dive into a question that hits home for all of us. We've all had tragedy strike. This last week, we've seen the unimaginable pain in Afghanistan and Haiti. Many of us have empty chairs around our tables from bad things that have wrecked our lives. So join us next Sunday as Pastor Sean jumps into another heartfelt message with another hidden question. Why do bad things happen to good people? I'm so looking forward to that. See you next week. that we're a part of a church that we can get to ask the hard questions, the questions that we all have in our minds. Man, Pastor Sean, what a great job. What a, what a challenge to know that God has something for us, something that we should be for, not just something that we're against. Hey, don't forget, send your questions in. Check us out at one o'clock, not three o'clock at Facebook Live on Tuesday. Can't wait to hang out with you guys then. Hey, if you guys need prayer for any reason, we'll have a team member who we would love to pray with you. Again, man, I'm super excited. Get signed up for life groups. Check out the apartment life. Can't wait to see how God's going to use that. Uh, let's see what else we got. Hey, 930, 11 next week. Can't wait to see you guys then. And as always, remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. See you next week.